Welcome to the Self-Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. I am the author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap, and the creator of the Codependency Cure and Hitch Trauma Resolution Treatment Programs. If you identify with codependency, which I renamed the Self-Love Deficit Disorder, or you're caught in the crosshairs of narcissistic abuse or gaslighting, you've come to the right place. Expect the very best information that I know, whether from my own personal journey of recovery or through my 35 years of professional experience. What separates my work from others is my understanding of the origin of the problem, the solutions, and the necessity to take responsibility for one's broken picker that always points them to the dream of the soulmate, but the nightmare of the cellmate. So join my self-love recovery community and set your sights on the cure, self-love abundance. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I have to give credit where credit is due. The person who works closest with me, who is the vice president of Self-Love Recovery Institute, Derek, sent me this text message today and said he just found out that gaslighting is the word of the year. And then all of a sudden, this idea hit me. And I said, hey, you know, you're you're a young guy, and I'm not, of course. <laughs> and I thought, you know, how cool would it be as if he did his own research based upon what he believes other people, especially people his age, would like to know. So that's what we're going to do today. But before I take the first question, let me just put some information out there. In my Human Magnet Syndrome book, I have a 20-page chapter on narcissistic abuse and gaslighting, and there's a lot of really good information there. I have on YouTube 10, maybe 15 videos on gaslighting that all approach it from different psychological perspectives, more than anything from the perspective of the victim of gaslighting, which is the person that I try to help. My perspective of gaslighting, or my perspective on most things, is to explain what people don't know, but always within the context of overcoming it. And my goal always is to help people who are codependent or who have self-love deficit disorder overcome the underlying causes so that when they try to stop it, it can happen fluidly and eventually permanently. Okay, without further ado, let me take the first question. And that is, what is my clinical definition of gaslighting? Gaslighting is a mind control strategy used and applied by someone who is what I call a pathological narcissist. And that is someone that has either the personality of borderline, narcissistic, or antisocial personality disorder. Gaslighters have traits of sociopathy, and, and that means they have antisocial personality disorder, a sociopath, or they have narcissistic personality disorder with traits of sociopathy, and that's known as a covert narcissist. So gaslighting essentially is the mind control strategy to isolate and control that codependent or someone with self-love deficit disorder, who I'm going to call SLD from this point on, to think that they have a problem that is much, much worse than it really is, or to develop a problem that never was, and to over time prove to their victim that this problem is progressing, it's becoming more problematic, more consequential, and they need to isolate and depend more and more on the pretend caregiver, the gaslighter. They systematically, in a very malicious or malignant way, arrange the environment, manipulate the environment, whether it's the physical environment, the emotional environment, the personal social environment, but they arrange, manipulate the environment to prove to their loved one, and I quote that, that they have a mental health problem 
that is debilitating, so much so that they should, because of their false compassion and altruism, which is the, the sociopathic part, they should isolate themselves and be protected by the narcissist. So that would be the simple explanation for gaslighting. I have an educational uh, video and audio training on selfloverecovery.com that is all about gaslighting. Okay, next question. Where did the word gaslighting originate from? Um, it, it comes from a, a play called Gaslighting, I believe, in 1939 that was turned into a movie at approximately the early 40s with Ingrid Berman, Joseph Cotton, that actually did a remarkable job at explaining and exemplifying what we understand as gaslighting. So when you watch this movie, it's got all the schmaltz of the old-time, dramatic 1940s movie. It's got tremendous acting. And every element of gaslighting that we understand, or I understand of gaslighting, is introduced in this movie. So do watch it. It's a great movie. And if you understand gaslighting, it will only substantiate or support what you understand. What is the difference of gaslighting and lying? That's a great question. Because if you're a narcissist and you are lying to your partner in order to manipulate them to get what you want, which is really common for narcissists who aren't as devious and pathological as a covert narcissist or the sociopath. It just means you have little or lower empathy or regard for the person and that you can do whatever you need in order to get your needs met. And narcissists that lie, they justify it because they believe their needs are so important and so reasonable that any way to get that is acceptable to them. Lying is the primary, or dishonesty is one of the primary components of the gaslighting strategy, but it takes a lot more than that. So to the question, what are some examples of being gaslit? So let's assume you are with a friend, a loved one, and you suspect that they're gaslit. They're going to say things about themselves that do not jive or fit with what you know with them, especially if you've known them a while. And they will say, well, you know, I am like so overweight. No one could ever love me. And I'm so lucky to have my husband or partner. He accepts me unconditionally. And it doesn't jive with you. One is you don't have experience hearing this friend all of a sudden say how despicable and unlovable they are and how gross or whatever term that they use, and then say how lucky they are that a person that you suspected being narcissistic is the one that's protecting them. It's one it just doesn't fit. Another way that some people notice that gaslighting is happening is when a friend, a loved one, a sister, a brother, a child, all of a sudden stops talking to you at a time that they just met someone who has huge influence on them. And the way that usually looks is, let's say, and this is not the case, but let's say it's my son. And we talk every two weeks and he normally, again, not true, but he normally would like tell me everything. And all of a sudden he starts to like close down and tell me less and less. And then I start asking him questions. He gets defensive. And if I say, Ben, you seem different. Is something going on? he will shut it down and act as if I am trying to get into his business. If I say something like, you know, let's say his partner's name is Janice. And I go, you know, I think there's something going on with Janice. Is everything okay? He will immediately defend her, immediately say how great she is and how lucky to have someone like that. And what will happen then is he will end the conversation prematurely and give a distinct impression that, 
the loved one is threatening. And so you're left with, you know, this WTF moment that what just happened? I just asked him about what's going on and he just shut me down and put this person who you don't know on a pedestal. And then if you try to call back and say, hey, you know, can we meet or, you know, can I talk to Janice? There will be a sharp door slammed in your face. So one of the first signs of someone's gaslit is that they are believing that there is something wrong with them and that it is so bad that they need to temporarily or permanently curtail relationships and that they ascribe the one person in their life who truly understands and is compassionate is the person you suspect is doing something. And when pushed on this, they shut the door, they defend the person, and then they stop conversation. And then the follow-up sign of that is they don't follow up in phone calls, emails, or any attempts of correspondence. And when they do, the conversation becomes progressively more shallow, less descript, especially on you know their well-being. And you might experience a sharp rebuke on a position like, I worry about you, honey. You know, you know, what's going on, son? You know, you can talk to me. And their response is a highly defensive one or a hostile one. And then, of course, the sign or symptom that really is the most disturbing and upsetting is when they close the door. Either they do it assertively, like, mom, dad, I just can't talk to you anymore. You don't understand, and it upsets me. Or they do it passive aggressively. They say, I love you too. Talk to you soon. And then that's the last time you hear from them. Are gaslighters aware of what they're doing? So let's talk about sociopaths. In my Human Magnet Syndrome book, I have a term, pathological narcissist, as I said earlier, that account for people with three different personality disorders, narcissistic, borderline, and antisocial personality disorder. Gaslighters typically do not have borderline personality disorder, but it's possible. But what is required for all gaslighters is that they have some sociopathic element or they are sociopathic. And that allows them to lie without experiencing cognitive distortions. I remember when I was a kid, and unfortunately, honesty was not a common currency in my family. And uh, somehow I accidentally became the honest one. Don't know how that happened. But nevertheless, my dad would ask me, did I do something? And if I did, and I said, no, I would have this guilty look like, because I, 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 I had cognitive dissonance. And good boys don't lie. And so I would lie and he would see it on my face, cognitive dissonance. Now, if he asked me as a teenager, when I had more control over my mind and I didn't normal age appropriate, but of course, I don't condone it, lying, I might do it with a straighter face, but have still cognitive dissonance because lying went against my values and therefore I experienced stress. So gaslighters who have sociopathic traits who are full-blown sociopaths do not have cognitive dissonance over their manipulation, lies, and plans for destruction because they don't feel remorse or empathy. Empathy is the ability to accurately understand or imagine what it's like to be the other person. Should they be sick, it's like you feel bad for them because you can imagine being sick. Remorse is the expressed or experienced feeling of regret for something you might have done and you feel bad about it. Well, the sociopath doesn't have remorse because they don't have empathy. They don't think that it was anything wrong to do anything because in their mind, 
what they want in any given moment is acceptable. The sociopath lives by the pleasure principle. What they want, they will get. And without remorse and empathy and cognitive dissonance, they don't have the normal hurdles or, or, or walls to stop them. But to the question, are gaslighters aware? That is what differentiates them from the other pathological narcissists. All pathological narcissists have a personality disorder, and that is a category of mental health disorders that are mostly permanent and are mostly resistant to psychotherapy or other treatment methods. The person who's a sociopath, they understand there's something wrong with them. Of those three personality disorders, they are the only type of pathological narcissist that knows who they are, that understands that they have to lie, cheat, and manipulate to get what they want. They justify it because no empathy, no remorse, no cognitive dissonance. And hey, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. If I don't get it first, someone will. So the covert narcissist or the sociopath knows who they are and they hide it. Whereas someone who is a has borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder, they're oblivious to it. They think all the problems in the world are with the other people. What does gaslighting do to a person and why is it so damaging? Okay, first of all, let me start by a fundamental belief I have that is articulated very clearly in my Human Magnet Center book and all of my material on gaslighting. An adult who is a victim of gaslighting is almost always a person who is suffering from self-love deficit disorder or codependency. And SLDD, the fundamental primary cause of that is attachment trauma. So I have this, um, this pyramid that explains what SLDD is. At the foundation is attachment trauma, which is the trauma experienced as a child because of a narcissistic and codependent parent. And then from there is core shame. From there is pathological loneliness. From there is this addiction to make the loneliness go away. And at the very top of the pyramid is everything we understand about codependency, which are the symptoms. So to understand gaslighting, we have to understand that SLDs, codependents, are the prime choice of a gaslighter because they're most susceptible because in order for a person who is an adult SLD, all of their dysfunctional coping mechanisms were created in the dysfunctional laboratory of their childhood. They learned to cope and survive the narcissist by either being molded, changed, transfigured, or doing that to themselves so they can be the trophy child, the likable child, the child that could be invisible. And to do that, they had to be open to becoming what someone else wanted them to be so that if they could adapt by being the, the handsome boy, the, the princess, the, the uh, all-star athlete, just the good kid, the trophy kid, then they had to do emotional, psychological, cognitive gymnastics to mold themselves into something that they're not. They had to become the version of the child the narcissist wanted. So in a sense, that is a form of gaslighting. This little child survives by knowing that if they can crack jokes and always be there to be sympathetic to their parent when they're not comfortable with that, but they can somehow become that person, then everything will be fine. So they are becoming someone else in order to make the person that loves them most take care of them. Well, that essentially is the scenario in adult gaslighting. So what I'm saying is that if you are an adult gaslighter, it is essential to consider the cause of that. You just cannot work on, and this is really the nuts and bolts of my self-love recovery treatment program, otherwise the codependency cure treatment program, is 
you have to get to the foundation of the attachment trauma and go all the way back to the beginning. Because if you just work with an adult gaslighting victim and you don't trace it back to its origins, the likelihood, just like any codependent or self-love deficient client of mine, the therapy won't work. Codependents, SLDs, are most susceptible to gaslighting because of their built-in propensity for it because they learn to become someone else in order to achieve the love that they believe their narcissistic parent had for them. And that's where it came from, but it's manifesting in adulthood. And to consider its origins, if you are suffering from gaslighting, that should help you understand that this is not just a, a, a two-armed monster, but it's a six-armed monster. The more you understand about your enemy, the more you can protect yourself and overcome that. So the next question is, is gaslighting the same thing as narcissistic abuse? Narcissistic abuse is simply this general term that often happens with people who are most vulnerable to the narcissist, and that's the codependent or the SLV because the human magnet syndrome explains how they are attracted to each other and they stay. But um, is any systematic um, type of harm, abuse, neglect, abandonment, deprivation that is perpetrated on a weaker, more vulnerable victim that over time decreases their mental health, their self-esteem, their ability to defend themselves, and eventually renders them powerless. So that would be the simplest definition that I think I could ever give you on narcissistic abuse. Gaslighting is narcissistic abuse. It's just covert, secretive, invisible, because the way that it was developed was to avoid awareness. So it is definitely a form of narcissistic abuse and one of the most difficult forms to recognize as a victim and recognize as the person who love, cares, respects that person. What can we do to stop gaslighting? My fundamental belief is to solve a problem, you have to understand it. You have to understand that maybe there are, are parts of this problem that are invisible to you because one, the nature of the problem, like self-love deficit disorder, gaslighting, or that the public has no valid, reliable, or updated understanding of it. So you can overcome gaslighting, and it's extremely difficult. It is exponentially more difficult to solve than someone who's just self-love deficient. My typical client comes to me because of their codependency or self-love deficit disorder. But if they're gaslit, the probability is so low that they're going to find out about my information, and if they do, feel safe with it enough to follow up. So treating gaslighting it's hard to reach them because the gaslighter has done an evil, malignant job at isolating them from a larger community, isolating them from old memories of themselves or feelings and identification of their old self, that it almost makes it nearly impossible for them to escape. But they do escape. And there's all sorts of reasons for it. Some are miracles, some are just persistence with family members, loved ones, some are by accident. Then it is so possible for a person in my self-love recovery program or the codependency cure to overcome it. The treatment is required, whether it's my treatment or someone else, is to understand the problem completely, understand the problem with their underlying SLDD, 
and a propensity for it and understand the the foundational cause which is our childhood and come up with an integrated treatment approach that starts at the ground zero part which is the cause and moves forward to work with the symptoms and it can happen but i will tell you it takes a little while to overcome it think about people that are brainwashed you know you, you read it in the news the uh, stockholm syndrome um, where they have been completely disoriented with their old identity and a new one has been put in there and they completely believe it it's not as simple as telling them the truth and i'm going oh my gosh you're right no it is dismantling these old gaslit beliefs that have their roots dug deeply into the person's psyche and that takes time and during the treatment process there are relapses i have a client today and i've been working with her and she has made remarkable progress remarkable we've been working with each other nine months and her uh, spouse is a textbook sociopath and she had a low moment and she was embarrassed to say you know ross i'm afraid to tell you because you're going to get mad well that's really not about me getting mad that's more of a, a projection of what happens to them when they have a lie that they kept from someone and then they tell them and she says you know sometimes i still struggle with our belief that he's a sociopath and of course i smile like i always do i you know i don't take it personally and i just understood that something happened that triggered her back to some of the old beliefs so the point is the treatment can be lengthy and there can be ups and downs but it is so possible to overcome it absolutely but the practitioner needs to know what they're doing and it's not as simple as this topical understanding of the problem with this intellectual discussion and education it the roots are deeper and you got to know where those roots go to and be able to get rid of them at that level so there absolutely is help make sure that whatever resource you get it's from um, a clinical source as much of your confidence of their specialty they have to have a broad knowledge and experience with mental health concepts so anyone out there who is discovering that they are a victim of gaslighting the first thing you need to know is understand what it is understand who you are and why you're susceptible to it and be compassionate with yourself should you struggle with it because we are talking about a lifetime of brainwashing well, I want to say thank you to Derek. Those are great questions. And uh, I hope that you agree with me. And I hope that the information that I gave you will help you with someone you know who's gaslit, will help you if you think you're a victim of gaslighting. And by the way, incidentally, everything that I believe in is on a continuum. Um, and I have a whole chapter on that in my Human Magnet Center book. So there are different levels of gaslighting. Um, the probability is high that if you've been gaslit and you found me, then you don't have the master gaslighter, the warden of that prison. But you can do this, you can heal, you can overcome it, and information is where you start. So thank you. And as I always say, I have a tremendous amount of information about this problem. In fact, I have a seminar, and these are educational presentations, video presentations or audio presentations that are chocked filled with information because that's kind of what I do. And then I have a three-part series called The 50 Shades of Narcissism, and I talk about gaslighting in that. But the last of the series is what to do with narcissistic abuse, which includes gaslighting. 
And also I'd like to highlight, I have a four hour video on how to find a good therapist. So please don't hesitate to go to selfloverecovery.com. Check it out. Follow us on YouTube or just write us with a question at help at selfloverecovery.com. Don't ever give up on the belief that you are worthy of self-love abundance, which is the cure for self-love deficit disorder or codependency. You can get there. Bye-bye and take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.